Hello, people of the world. This is on our rock on tour. Sorry for our delay in doing a podcast last week. I literally had no voice. I'm telling you, the flu is not a fun thing. But today I'm going to give you a quick excerpt from the second Kingslayer book. If you can ignore the fact that a woman is reading Darius and just kind of go with the flow, I'd appreciate it. But yeah, I'll read you the first little part of Kingslayer 2. So here we go. Excerpt from chapter one. I am a general, renowned for my strategies. I've been in more wars than I can rightly recall offhand. I understand logistics and can plan maneuvers in my sleep. So why? Darius paused and looked between two different branches of hallway, despairing. Why didn't I realize that teaching my daughter the word up would lead to this? Piam, following at his heels, stifled a giggle. Darius turned around to give him a half-hearted glare. Something amusing about this? No, sir. Piam managed with a remarkably straight face, although his lips kept twitching, spoiling the effort. He offered ingeniously. At least we narrowed it down to who has her? There is that, Darius acknowledged with a rueful smile. Ever since three weeks ago when he had taught his daughter what up meant, she had latched onto the word with a fervor that dismayed her parents and bodyguard. Parissa, at barely 18 months, didn't have much of a working vocabulary, and she still struggled with her balance enough that walking presented its challenges, although her crawling speed made even adults trot to keep up with her. She learned people's names, nicknames for the ones that gave her trouble, and a few other words besides, no, yes, please, that, and Bibi, her stuffed bunny. And then Darius had stupidly taught her up. He hasn't been able to find her since. Parissa loved up. Up meant that she could communicate that she wanted someone to pick her up and carry her off, which every single person in this household was willing to do, as Parissa possessed an astonishing beauty along with an unhealthy dose of charm. No one hesitated over putting her on a hip and toting her about, and Parissa enjoyed both being held and mobile. It strangely felt like Darius played an elaborate game of hide-and-seek with his daughter. In order to give the game more of an edge, Parissa drafted whoever she could be to be her legs, giving her a better chance to outmaneuver her sire and win the game. And she was definitely winning. You go left, Darius dictated to Piam. I'll go right. This time of day, Bomi is usually in kitchen, Piam informed him. Or napping on the back patio, Darius added, already moving toward the outside doors. So go check the kitchen, and I'll check the patio. Piam scurried off, sandals slapping at the tile floor. Darius shook his head, lamenting to himself that he really, really should have thought that word through. All he'd wanted was to teach his daughter how to reach her hands up to make it easier to lift her. The sleep deprivation of a parent could not be easily dismissed. It messed terribly with the man's judgment. Darius stepped outside onto the patio and hoped instantly that Bomi hadn't chosen to lounge out here. The day had already turned too warm for comfort. Even the shade of the covered patio, the trees gathered near the house, and the wind coming in from the west didn't take the edge off completely. Darius normally liked the spot in the evenings, where he could see his lands, as it had a good vantage point and he could see both the vineyards, the farms, and a part of the highway from here. The angle of the house made it the best place to enjoy the sunset, but the mornings were unbearable on the side of the house. Taking two full steps out, he swept the area, but he didn't see either bodyguard or baby. Kitchen, then. Turning, he headed back down the hall, but paused at the intersection as he heard his wife's light footsteps hurrying his direction. I haven't found her yet, but we know Bomi has her, and Piam is checking the kitchen. He spoke as soon as she came into view. 
Finding her to settle her for a nap is like waging war in this house, Amala said in exasperation, dark eyes rolling toward the ceiling as if praying for patience. But that's not why I'm searching for you. In her hand, she held a missive, rolled up with very tight cord, and wax binding it shut, and Darius's eyes went wide as he took in the seal pressed into the wax. Wordlessly, he held out his hand and quickly broke open the seal. Barris had written to him only once before, so if he were reaching out again, it couldn't be anything good. The first words of the letter confirmed that with chilling certainty. His eyes scanned through it quickly, heads swimming with different thoughts and emotions. He felt cold and hot at once, a tingling in his chest that he belatedly realized was a surge of adrenaline. Oh, if this was true. If any part of this was true. What does Barris say? Amala asked in a hushed tone. Darius almost tilted the letter her direction so she could read it herself, then realized belatedly that Barris had written it in Halic, a language she didn't know. He's asking for my help. Amala's dark brows shot th straight into her hairline. Your help? You're wanted by the entire Sovran. How can you possibly help him? He says here that he's wrangled a full pardon for me so that I can enter, but he needs my help. Darius stared down at the letter, blindly, as everything he had heard in the the past year coalesced into patterns all at once. Amala, I told you that because Neotin rested free of the Sovran, avoided being conquered, that Barris would lose control slowly of the other countries. Yes, so you did. Amala's eyes scanned his expression, reading him. She was always lovely, his wife, even with her hair in a messy braid over her shoulder, but that expression reminded him that a sharp mind lay beneath that beautiful exterior. Is that happening now? Is that what he wants you to stop? No. Something worse than that. I should have anticipated this, but... He swallowed the words down because in truth he had actively not thought about war in the past year. He had chosen to dwell instead on his family, on his estate, his people. It had been so much easier, a happy respite, to focus on love instead of violence. The Rowan barbarians were the first to break free of the Sovran after the last year. And now they pulled together, at least most of the clans, perhaps all, and they're threatening to the northern countries. Barris has battled into a standstill for now, but he can't find a way to force them back into their own territories. If he doesn't do it soon, then they'll overrun him. They'll overrun the Sovran. Amala went pale, expression stricken, and Darius felt he reflected her in that moment. They both knew what it meant for the barbarians to enter a country. Darius had always cursed them when they were allies as they proved fickle in the best of times. Using cats to scare them off had proven that to the Neotin people. The barbarians did not make good allies, but they were worse enemies. Ruthless, bloodthirsty, they thought nothing of raising and pillaging a country. The Roran barbarians did not conquer. They destroyed. And there you have it. There is your excerpt. We are, of course, working diligently on edits. We hope to be able to publish Kingslayer 2, Sovran at War, uh, sometime February 2018. That is our goal. Until then, you are always welcome to give me questions and comments via my Facebook. This is Anna Rockentour, signing out.